host Marina. And this is your host Gabriella. And you're listening to <sighs> Lemons to Lemonade. Welcome back. Happy Wednesday. New week, new episode. Yes, today's episode is going to be very emotional, I feel, because yeah. we're going to basically be, I say basically a lot. Stop me from saying basically. <laughs> no, basically. Yes, today's episode is going to be very dear to our hearts because we're going to be talking about our stories and how we both as immigrant children came to, to the United, United States. States and basically like our experience coming here, how that happened, all of that. So, yes. so if you're listening and you're like, what, you guys are immigrants? Yes, we both immigrated here at the age of 11 uh different years we both came when we were 11 That's yeah crazy. which is cool uh i'm egyptian so i came from egypt and and i came from honduras so two different cultures two different experiences but we're gonna both explain it and share it with you guys and see the similarities and and the different struggles and i think it'll be eye-opening for us and it will get you guys to know us a little bit more for the people who are listening yeah, and I actually, I feel like we have talked a little bit about it, but we've never really fully on explained, yeah. you know, like everything from why we came here, how, yeah. how was it when we first got here. So I know that a lot of, a lot of uh, our listeners are going to relate to this because I personally have a lot of immigrant and just like Hispanic um, followers. Even though you can immigrate, of course, from many different countries, but um, I know that there are so many talented and hardworking people out there who come from other countries, and we're just here, like, telling our stories. Exactly. So I feel like our common one is going to be the why we immigrated here. So let's start with you. Why did you guys come to the U.S.? So basically, um, I was born and raised in Honduras in a city called San Pedro Sula. Shout out to San Pedro Sula. And, you know, I think I had a great life. I think my childhood was something I would never want to change uh, because I just did so many. I don't know. I like I had really awesome friends and. I feel like social media was not a thing back then. Yeah. So it was very like. What you see on TV, like kids playing in the neighborhood. And I just had, I think I had a good childhood. My parents were um, really great parents and always provided like the best for us. Um, but because we were like one of the families, because not many people in Hunters have like a lot of money. And we weren't rich. I don't think mm -hmm. that we were rich, but we did live like comfortably. So I think that we were kind of like a target um, because basically there's just like a lot of gangs. There's a lot of violence and just like there's violence everywhere else in Honduras. It's really bad. Yeah, it's really bad. And um, I mean, like the crimes that you hear over there are like unspeakable. So there's a thing over there where basically a gang will go to a family, like let's say they spot a really nice house and they watch that family. And they'll basically tell the family, you know, you have to pay us a monthly rate or like a monthly fee 
or we'll kill you or we'll do this or whatever you know so oh they'll God. threaten you for exchange of like them um there's a name for it but i can't i can't remember the name of it but there's a specific name that they call it a term back there yeah. um so we were kind of going through that and then on top of that there was other incidents where you know i remember being 11 or even younger than that and going to my friend's funeral because they killed her dad Aww. or we went to a cousin's uh funeral because they got killed so a lot of people were just getting hurt around us and we just didn't feel safe anymore and i think it came to a point where i remember one of my uncles went to visit honduras and we were just like my family was like we have we have to go yeah like, it, this isn't safe for them anymore and we want to we want to give them a better future basically yeah um i think for me it wasn't as bad i think mm -hmm. for me it was uh my parents just wanted us to have a better future better opportunities um egypt is a great country but it's not a top country it doesn't like the schooling is okay the living is okay everything's super expensive like i was talking to my mom the other day a pound of meat is like five hundred dollars if you want to go create five hundred five hundred pounds that's the yeah oh like egypt egyptian money. yeah so people like you cannot live there same same with Honduras. like i'll hear like oh the the shirt is like twenty thousand i'm like yeah what? but is it because the way that the money works i was different? i was on the egyptian ikea website just to see like the different prices and i saw that a regular office chair is like twenty five thousand pounds yeah and it's crazy because the economy is usually bad and yeah. that's the reason why like many people run away from where they're living um and so the people are working a lot and they're not making enough mm -hmm. um exactly enough money to exactly pay their bills and and do all that so yeah so my parents wanted us me and my sister to come here so we can have a better future better education better opportunities that we wouldn't have in egypt like for example sometimes i think about it if i was 16 in egypt i probably would not be driving or have a car but when i turned 16 here i had my license i had a car i was driving myself to school like it's just a, a very different way of living yeah uh which i'm grateful for to have an opportunity like that and i'm privileged that you know i'm in a place like this but that is my why of why we moved here so how was it for you guys coming here like how did they decide like all right we're gonna go this is how we're gonna do it yeah like, like did you guys have family members here so my grandma had like eight kids or nine kids my grandma had a lot of kids and they're all over the world like i have an aunt in australia i have an aunt in canada i have australia yeah i have an aunt here in the u.s so we've had people but i feel like the u.s was the place like that resonated with my parents the most to uh immigrate to and so i don't really remember i feel like the older i get the more i forget but all i remember is my parents were like pack your bags we're leaving and i was like what and i remember i had like my friends and stuff and they're like don't tell anybody we're packing our bags and we're leaving and i was so confused also i was 11 so i'm sure they didn't tell me things but i remember i wanted to pack some stuff and my mom was like no 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 don't bring that stuff don't bring that stuff and i was like what i want to bring my dolls i mean I, was yeah. like, I played with dolls back then and she's like no 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 don't bring that stuff so 
or whatever. I packed some clothes and and we hopped on a plane and we came here. We got our visas and we came here. Do you understand why she didn't let you pack certain things? Yes. Now, now I understand. Yeah. Yeah, because then yeah. they would have known you guys are yeah. moving here. Yeah. Now I understand. But back then, I, I, like, I wanted to bring all my pictures. I wanted to bring my toys. I wanted to bring. But my mom was like, "No, like, grab a couple shirts and that, like, that is it. Yeah. That is it." Okay, tell us your story. I love hearing your story because it just there's so much that goes into it that could be a movie. So. I feel like every time I talk about this, it's like so fascinating to the person. And I'm like, yeah, it was so fun. If, bring some popcorn, you guys. So, um, OK, so I've, I've talked about this on my YouTube, but basically um, we were trying to get a visa. Yeah, we did try to get a visa and because that would have been the best way to come. Um, but I, re I remember that my parents had to get like everything together. And it's weird because there are details that I remember but then like i forgot what i ate for lunch <laughs> yesterday <laughs> and i'm like yeah. i don't understand how my memory works but basically um god i keep saying basically stop saying basically but anyway i i, I do remember clearly my parents had to kind of um i don't know like sell everything they were just t trying to put together as much money as possible i think i'm not 100 sure but i think that when you are going to ask for a visa. You have to show that you have money. Yeah, you have to show. I'm that not really sure. I'm not like 100%. Don't quote me on this. But I think that, I don't know. I guess they they want to know like you're not going to come here and be a burden. Yeah. yeah. So I just remember all that situation. Us going to the embassy and them saying no. Mm. The reason they said no is because both my parents used to come to the United States a lot. My dad actually went to school here in the U.S. Oh, so it's the reason why my dad speaks really good English is because he Basically, kind of like yeah, he wasn't here. raised here, but he was some of his life. He was in Honduras and some of his life. He was here in the U.S. So there was a time, I guess, a trip where he overstayed. Yeah. And. Because he overstayed, they stamped his passport and basically denied all of us. Oh. So when that happened, I remember my dad kept arguing with the guy and he was like, well, can you give them their visas and yeah. just, you know, stamp me? And they were like, no. Like, all the passports were already stamped. Like, they had, you know, yeah. you guys cannot go anywhere or whatever. So I think my parents already had in their mind, like, we can't stay here. Yeah. And... They were just like, all right, we tried. We what tried the right can, way. Right. Like, what else can we do? And I, I do remember I used to be so nosy when I was little. Like, I would always be in my mom's conversations, like, listening to what she was saying. So I remember that they, they were, like, talking about how we were going to come. And we were going to come with a coyote. And a coyote is basically a person that is, like, in charge of bringing, like, a ton of people over to the United States. Yeah. So they're the ones that kind of like know the routes. They know what they're doing. They tell you what to do. You basically listen. Um, and they're really expensive. So I do remember it being like a lot of money for us to come here, especially because it was uh, it was for my sisters, my mom, my sister's daughter, my little brother, who was only one and then myself. So it was eight of us. Oh, wow. And my dad my brother and my brother-in-law stayed back home because I guess there were still things to do. Yeah. And 
El Coyote already had a trip planned. So if we didn't go in this trip, we would have had to wait like a long time. Okay. So my parents were like, we want them, like, we want to go in this we one. We go now, yeah. The guys are going to stay back and we're just going to take care of whatever else needed, needed to be done back home. So one of the things I clearly remember was that my dad was speaking to El Coyote where they were agreeing that my dad was going to pay extra in order for us to come in a safer way. Like, he didn't want us to be in a truck. He didn't want us to, like, you know, yeah. he wanted us to be taken care of. So um, that they were going to bring us in a car and that we were going to be good the whole way. I want to ask a question because I don't, in case someone's listening, also has the same question. How hard is it to find a coyote? 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 I don't really know how you find you a coyote. That? I think, like, people just know. Like, okay. you hear it from someone else. Like, you know, you ask people. Do you know un coyote that's, you know, that's bringing yeah. people and then they either do or they don't or they ask someone else. So somebody must have told my parents like, hey, I know a coyote yeah. that could bring you guys. So we decide to go. We set the date. We knew like we knew we were. I knew we, I was going to the United States and I was not doing it legally. I knew it was wrong. Did you say bye wrong. to your friends in Honduras? Did you say bye to your friends that were in Honduras? I don't left? remember. I don't know if I did or if I... I may have. I think I did. It was so long ago. <laughs> but I basically... But I just knew that, like, this was, like... I don't know. Something in me was, like, this is... This is not the right way. This is not how people do this, right? Yeah. Like, what's about to happen? So we ended up going on this trip. <laughs> I say a trip. Like, it was a field trip. And... We started off in a car. It was just like um, all my family in one car with like a guy. And I think we were in a car for like maybe a day or two. And then after that car, we stayed like in a super sketchy place. And from then on, everything was sketchy as fuck. Like when I say sketchy, I mean like all the stories you hear of how people come here legally, that. Damn. Like it was like walking for days no food um walking during the during the night so that we wouldn't get caught nobody was able to and carry was it in a light desert or or you walk yeah there like were streets there were times where we were when we were in mexico we were in like mountains like a hike oh my god yeah it was like crazy there were days where we um where we were just kind of like in a bus or in a truck one day, I remember, I don't know what these cars are called, but they're like where they carry the cows and shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know those you don't know the um, name, right? No, but I know. It's I just know. those trucks where, you know, they transport cows and horses or what, and animals. And they just put us in one of those. And it was like four of them because it was a lot of people. It wasn't just us. It was oh, like, it was more people with you guys? Yeah, it was a lot. It was like 40 people. It was a lot. So they would like basically split you and they were leaders. There were specific leaders that you had to like follow. There was times where we would have to like hide in the bushes. Like it was crazy. So your mom having a one year old. My mom with a one year old was doing how this. how was and that? my sister. My sister was with her um, with her her daughter, my niece, who at the time I believe was like two because she was like a year older than my brother. Wow. So. 
at some point they did separate us. There was one. Okay. There was one night that I felt like it was horrible because we had to walk at night. So I, I believe this was like we were crossing into Mexico. Okay. But we had to, we had to like, we had to walk at night and it was almost like a hike. Like it was like, yeah, Malini and stuff like that. And it was really dark, piss black, no lights. And only the leaders are allowed to use a flashlight. Everyone else just follow. You better just fucking pick up your feet. So they everybody has like isn't like in a line and at the front of the line there's a leader so the leader's the one like basically guiding you where to walk yeah but there's rocks it's literally like going to runyon in the dirt part you know it's like going to a hike where there's like rocks and things like that so as you're walking you're tripping over rocks because you can't see them yeah so by the time you get to your destination your calves and your legs are like super dirty because it's super dusty and you probably are bleeding because you probably tripped on something so that was really weird like i remember that being super scary and just pitch black and not knowing where the hell you were and just trusting that you're following a person and they're taking you to the right destination and then at one point we had to cross a bridge one of those wooden bridges that wait, you know wait, like wait. what you know those wooden bridges what yes. the ones where it's like you you look down and it's like this yeah there's nothing and you there. get on it and it's shaky as hell <gasps> yes oh girl. i would cry did you cry wait, no i was ah. like i'm not I, girl at this point i was like i either go to the u.s or i don't know what what would happen to me so they would basically like at that point they stopped us and then they would let like one person go then the next because it couldn't be like everybody walked through that because we're gonna break and we're all gonna die so they would let like a person go and then a person go and i remember seeing like just waters and rocks like if you fall off from there you're dead because it wasn't like a steep river or anything like that it was like rocks so we crossed that then i just remember then i just remember waking up in the mountain Oh, you fell asleep? Yeah, like we just woke up and we were like laying out in a mountain. And I woke up and I was like, where, where's that? Like, where's my family? So I see my sisters and I'm like, where's my mom? I don't see my mom. Yeah. And I start freaking out because one thing you should know about me is that I was such a crybaby when I was little. Oh, my God. You still are. I was so annoying when I was young, like. I still to this day apologize to my sister all the time because for some reason I was so attached to her that I would cry if she left me. So I started crying so hard because I was like, where is my mom? I want to go to my mom. I, I can't even remember myself crying, which is so embarrassing. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, where's my mommy? <laughs> so basically, um, at some point, they were like, this girl needs to shut up. And... The, the one of the leaders came and he was like like we took like basically they had taken my mom somewhere because this is the craziest part the reason they separated my mom and my older sister was because they both had babies and what was about to happen the babies couldn't be there so they separated them not telling my mom and my sister why because my mom was like what's gonna happen with my daughters yeah you know uh, 
but they I don't know what they must have told my mom, but definitely they didn't tell her what was about to happen because she would have never left. So what happened? So wait, so wait, let me tell you the story. So then we get whatever. I'm there crying and I'm like, take me to my mom, take me to my mom. And my sister's trying to convince them to take me to my mom. And because I was 11, they were like, "Okay, she could pass because she's still really young. Mm. So as long as I wasn't like an adult, because I guess the way that they were going to transfer my mom was going to be like they were going to like fake a family or something. Oh, my God. I'm giving all the secrets away. Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so then they agreed to take me to my mom. So they put me in like a little boat with like some guys and. I don't know. They were just taking me to my mom. So it was the craziest thing because they put me in a little boat with a bunch of guys. And if you think about it, they could have done anything they wanted. Yeah. I was 11. But thankfully, they did not. And they took me to my mom. They ended up taking me. It was This was we were in Mexico already. And I remember they took me to a house. And it was just like two ladies. And we were staying like in a little room. And I remember it just had like a colchon, like a mattress on the floor. And it was my two, uh, my mom, my sister, and then my little brother and my niece. And we were there for like a week. And for that week, we basically were eating tortillas. <laughs> Every day we were eating tortillas. And my mom kept asking the people, like, where can we buy food? Like, we need to buy food. But we were scared to go out yeah. because we are not Mexican. So if they catch us, like, they they're going to be like, who are you? You know, it's like being in the United States. Yeah. So... I think it wasn't until the guy showed up again, like a week later. That's when, when oh wow, that's when we, my mom was able to talk to him and tell him like, "Hey, we haven't eaten. Like we've been eating tortillas every day," and he was like, "Oh, they were supposed to feed you." So for some reason, the two ladies that were there were being jerks, and they didn't feed us. And um, then I remember they got us food, but for that week, we we were just eating like from a bag of tortillas, and. That was interesting, like being in Mexico, because I remember like I would go to the stores, to the little corner stores. My oh, mom would were... like yell at me and I would just go like, get, I don't know. I would just go to see. Yeah. Because I like wanted know. candy yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. And then we got reunited with my sisters. Like after that week, we got reunited with my sisters. But before that could happen, basically what happened with my sisters was that they were put into those trucks and you know what i mean when they get put into trucks right no like those trucks like literally like regular trucks that usually businesses use to carry stuff like cargo oh, yeah, and yeah, shit yeah, like a cargo yeah, truck yeah, yeah. whatever so they put people in the back of those trucks and that's really dangerous because you could die like you could just like not be able to breathe and die Cause there's no ventilation. There's yeah. literally, I, my sister told me that there was like these holes in the bottom so that that's how they were able to breathe. But that where people were passing out that they were like, there were women that were like complaining that they couldn't breathe and it was so hot. So that's the reason why they take the babies and out of there. Because if the babies are in the truck and they get stopped by a cop, the baby could cry. cry. So that's the reason why they separate them. Uh, and good they thing find, you cried. Yeah, and they find girl. I would have, I would have been. You know how how I am. I'm yeah. super dramatic. I would have been in the back <gasps> of the truck. Like, <laughs> so they find a different way 
to bring the babies and like the moms or families or whatever. And what they do is this is the crazy part. This is so crazy. So when we were in Mexico, I remember the the leader came and he brought two guys Mm. and he was like, this guy's going to play your husband and this guy's going to play your husband. So some random guy was going to play my mom's husband, the father of my brother and myself. Yeah. And they found a guy that had blue eyes because at the time my my baby brother had blue eyes and he was super white. So they needed to find a guy that like made sense. Like this could be his dad. So I remember the guy being like white and like blue eyes, but he was Mexican. Is he good looking? I can't remember. (laughs) I I remember the way he looked a little, but I can't remember specifically. But so when we're there, they are like explaining to my mom, like this is going to like they give you a ids and um you they make up a name for you they make up a name for your kids all of that and so because i was 11 and they're able to ask me questions i had to act like i'm mexican so i had to learn the mexican national song and things like that Do you know it now or you forgot i it? don't remember it anymore but i remember i had to practice it like they were telling me to practice it and then they would tell me to say it because if they basically we were gonna go in a and like a Greyhound, like one of those bus yeah. transportations. So if they stop us, they're able to ask us questions. And I, I don't know, maybe asking like sing the national Mexican song is, yeah. is a common question to know if somebody's really Mexican. So I had to learn that. And I don't know. It was just weird. I had to like learn my name. What was your name? Do you this. remember? I don't remember any of this. I need to ask my mom. I was so young. Yeah. Yeah. So. Then we went into the, you know, these like, uh, like a regular bus, like a Greyhound, I would say. And then we ended up meeting with my sisters and then they told us their the crazy stories, stories of what they went through. And I think at that point we were already at the border. So they have everybody like in a house and they, they choose and they, they schedule them in groups. So not everybody goes mm. one day, one group goes the other day, another group goes. Otherwise we all get caught. Yeah. You know? So when it was time for us to go, we had to like go. It's basically a river and you have to swim through the river. That part. And oh my God. Like, that part was really scary because the river has like a strong, stream yeah so there's a lot of like uh there's a lot of stories of how people drown and things like that and people die i don't think the stream was crazy i do remember there being a stream but i remember me being the first person in the line to go in the stupid (laughs) ass river leader and there was a snake in front of me there was a literal snake just swimming like that and they were like go go like they kept telling me to go because they obviously Want us to cross fast. Yeah. But I couldn't go because there was a snake right there. And I was so scared. So what'd you do? I was like, nope. I was started crying and I was like, oh no puedo. God. I was like, there's a culebra, bro. <laughs> I was like, there's a culebra. I can't go. And they're like, I put in say, like, what's taking so long? Everybody's six times. Why did they put you in the beginning, though? I don't know. I have no idea why they put me in the beginning. But they did. And I was like, bro. Then... I don't know how the hell the snake didn't like look at me. It just kept swimming. Oh my god! Did you have nightmares? But after? it was like a water snake, right? So I guess those aren't that bad. 
I don't know, man. I'd still be freaking out. I was freaking out. I was like, I've never seen a snake in my life before. So did that, have you had nightmares since then about the snake? No, but I'm paranoid that when I go to the bathroom, I feel like a snake is going to come out of the toilet and like bite my ass. Damn. I think about it all the time. Every time I go to the toilet, I check the toilet to make sure there's like no frogs or like no snakes. I mean, I feel like in different states, that's the thing. I don't know about California. Oh my God. That'd be so scary. Yeah. So then we cross crossing the river was like, all right. But it was once you get to the other side of the river that it's hard because you don't cross a river and it's like, oh, freedom, green grass. Like, no, yeah. it's like, oh, what are what are those plants that are um, bamboo? It's like a whole field of bamboos when you cross. Mm. So in order for you to be able to get like past those bamboos you have to like break through them yeah and they're rough too they're really hard and they cut yeah because once you break them they get like yeah 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 so my sister um claudia which is my oldest sister was the one in the front because she was like the strongest and she was like breaking and we all had to like break through these things right by the time you get past the bamboos it's like a green field of grass, like huge, beautiful. You cross and you're like, wow, I'm in the United States. Like you feel like, ah, and then they tell you to let the cops stop you. Mm. They tell you to let them stop you, which is something I will never understand. But, and it's so easy for them to, to catch you because you're full of mud. Like the river is not clean and beautiful. It's like brown. So by the time you get past that, so, then the bamboos, then you're like full of like, you're you're like super, you know? Yeah. Did you're you change wet. your clothes at all during this whole trip? We had a bag of clothes. That's the only thing I was able to bring. It was like a bag with an outfit of clothes. And that's it. Okay. So everything else gone forever. And we basically sat down Um in the sidewalk of this neighborhood it was a really nice neighborhood and actually when we were walking in the neighborhood there was a white lady that was like talking to us in spanish like very broken like mm-hmm. you know like white people yeah. speak spanish, like gringo and she was like come inside like there's a lot of patrol like border patrol and she was like telling us to go inside her house that we could shower oh that's nice and, of her. yeah and i'm like why didn't we do that but i don't know we were told to like let them catch us so we told her, no, thank you. And then we like sat down in the sidewalk. And then like five minutes later, a border patrol drove by. And then that's when they were like, okay, you got, you, you guys have clothes. And we all had a change of clothes so that everybody changed. I remember I was wearing a yellow top. And the <laughs> that's reason, what you remember. <laughs> yes. The reason I remember, the reason I remember I had a yellow top was because when they took us to immigration or the police station, I got yelled at. I got yelled at by a cop because they have a whole table that is where you get your fingerprint taken. Yeah. So I just put my elbow and I rested (laughs) on it, you know, thinking this is a regular table. I didn't look at it. And and I'm I'm there like just, you know, leaning while because they make us go in a line. So as soon as you get there, they separate people. They put women in a line. Uh, women and children and then men and then i think like the children don't go into i don't know we i feel like we're separated at some point because i was separated in the beginning and the cop yelled and he was like hey la de amarillo which is like the one wearing yellow it's like um 
look at what you did to your elbow. Like, he was just yelling, like, oh. you know, like, look what you did. And I looked, and I was like, oh, fuck. I had, like, black all over my elbow, and I felt so embarrassed because he, like, it was, like, a full room of people. Yeah. It's not did just us there. It's, like, a full room of, like, people I just crossed. And there's, it's crazy because there's, like, uh, whole rooms full of men and, like, women that they are, like, immigrants. Mm. And I remember the men being inside and, like, yelling and saying stuff like that. Girl, it was crazy. And whatever, I remember that part. And then, like, the cop came over and he grabbed, which is was, it was so weird that he did this. But he grabbed, you know, like, that, that brown paper towel yeah. that they had in schools yeah. that, like, it's super rough. Mm -hmm. So he grabbed my arm and the the paper towel, that brown paper towel, and he started like rubbing it against my arm, like to clean it off. But the ink was dry. So he was just doing it to like hurt me or something. And he was grabbing me super hard. And just like the whole experience being there was crazy because like I got called stupid. My mom at one point had to go talk to like they were calling her. And so she gave me my little baby brother who was one. So I had him on my lap and I was just sitting there and then like a group of cops were talking about like, oh my God, like, like saying like this girl's only yeah. like 11 and she's already with a baby or something. And they were all speaking in English. Sometimes they would say things to you in Spanish, like they didn't care. Yeah. But they would say a lot of things in English and I knew English because I, I was in private school and yeah. I learned English. So that was surreal to me. That's why I think that that was like the hardest experience was just like being treated like less than a human being for, yeah, from like a cop, which is like a figure that you look up to or whatever. Yeah. And then, wow. yeah. And then I came to LA for like a few months and I lived in a garage. I lived in my uncle's garage cause he didn't have any more space in his house. And I went to Griffith middle school and I would walk to school and come back. Yeah. And then eventually we were like, we can't keep living in a garage. And then we moved to North Carolina. Got it. So now that you told us your story, how was middle school for you? How was that culture difference when you moved here? Did you make friends? Was school no. hard? Middle school was horrible for me. I have a whole YouTube video on this because I think when I moved here, I don't know. I was I think the culture is a lot different in the sense of like how kids are and what they say. Yeah. And I was just like, kids are ruthless here. Like that's yeah. one thing I remember is that they were ruthless. And I used to get bullied so much because of my accent. Um, because obviously I knew English, but I didn't have a perfect accent. Yeah. You know? yeah. Spanish was my first language. So if I said something, they would be like, ha ha, you know, dollar, uh, whatever. Like they would just make fun of me for it. And at that time, for me, that was everything. So I could say it now and like someone would correct me and it won't bother me. Yeah. But when you're 11 years old and you're coming to a new country and you have no friends, that's like your whole life. Yeah. So that was really hard for me, you know, and I, I didn't know how to make friends because I felt like the weird one. I felt like. Literally, my entire school experience, not until I was in high school, almost graduating, I think that's when, like, a switch turned in me where I was like, I don't care what people think. Yeah. But all of my middle school, beginning of, um, like, high school, I was just, like, the outcast. I felt like the ugly girl. I felt like, you know, like, I had this secret that I was illegal and I couldn't share it to people and I was super ashamed and embarrassed 
to like tell anyone i i never told anyone that i was illegal yeah because then they would be like what you know it was it was like such a thing that it was like you're illegal like i don't know it made me even more of an outcast than i already felt and now that i think about it it's like i was never an ugly kid i was just brown yeah i feel like for me it's very similar so when i was in middle school i moved here when i first i was sixth grade So when I was in middle school, kids were mean. For me, I got made fun of for my accent, for my hair. And I don't mean hair on my head. I mean hair on my mustache, <laughs> arm hair. And because most of the people I went to school were white. Um, I was placed into classes called ELD, which is stands for English Language Development. Since I, you know, didn't grow up here i still had an accent i didn't speak english very well still don't um and that was that was hard even the kids that were in the eld classes were either armenian or hispanic so i don't belong with the whites i don't belong with the armenians and i don't belong with the hispanics and it was just me and i don't know what to do and who to be friends with and yeah. i remember uh, i used to cry all the time about this i literally would go sit by myself during lunch and cry and Girl, cry too. and cry and i literally go oh, home to my mom and be I like been your friend <laughs> and be like i want to go back i want to go back i don't like this i i'm a very social person I love friends and think about it when you're 11, like you're a kid, mm -hmm. like you're, you want to play, you want to play during lunch, you want to do that. But I'd literally sit by myself and I would cry and I would pretend that I have a friend that I'm sitting with. I know I'm saying this to sound crazy, oh my God. but, but that was the reality of it. I was so sad and I felt like an outcast. People made yeah. fun of me. People... I remember I became friends with this Cuban girl. So it the group of us was uh, this Cuban girl, this Mexican girl, this Mexican guy and me. So it was the four of us. We were all in those ELD classes. So they would speak Spanish to each other and I would kind of like, you know, try to understand or learn or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then we didn't have a car. So I lived about, say, like six miles away from the school. So I'd always have to walk. There was no buses. We didn't have that. It was just you. I had to walk to school. So I'd wake up early and walk. And it started to rain. And I was like, okay, we didn't have a car. My mom wasn't going to take me. How? Yeah. So I would remember I would wear, I'd be with my umbrella. And the wind would be so hard. And break like the breaking. umbrella. And I'm drenched. And I'm crying. And I hated it. I hated it. And I was like, why? Because you were Egypt, like, my life sucks. Yeah. Because it where i came from to where i was it was just so different like we were all sleeping in one room and and i was didn't have friends and i ate by myself and i had people make fun of me i went from being one of the most loved kids in the school and i had a lot of friends to this person who literally was a nobody and at, for a child like It's a lot. Like when people tell It's me your like whole life, yeah. Exactly. There's nothing else going on in your life, so that is a big deal. Like your friends is a big deal, you know? Yeah. Like having good friends when you're growing up is important. So if you don't have friends or if people are making fun of you as a child, like 
that sucks yeah like it really sucks and it could shape you and honestly that's why it's really important to have really strong parents that love you and that support you because can you imagine being from a broken family and also going through that yeah it's like that's why a lot of people take their lives yeah yeah and um yeah it was it was really hard and i remember i i sat there and i prayed and i was like god please send me an egyptian friend god please send me an egyptian friend god please send me an egyptian friend and uh the last year of middle school there was an, a new egyptian girl who came and hey. me and her became friends and but once mm-hmm. i left middle school actually i'm gonna give myself a shout out i gave my uh, middle school graduation speech in front of the whole entire middle school uh class so really your girl came up yes i gave the speech i gave the graduation speech i it was a contest you had to go in and give the speech and um you either get chosen or not and between all the americans and all the people who spoke english really well it was me i remember they announced it over the announcements and i was sitting behind this uh i was sitting in front of this kid and then so i was like i was like okay i hope it's me hope it's me and he goes like it better not be better not be you marina because you can barely speak and i was like oh my god and they said and the winner is marina labib and i looked back at him and i was like in your face loser oh in my your god. face That's so awesome. yeah so even though it was so rough and there's so many times where i like hated it and i wish i could go back and I would not trade it for the world. I would not trade it. I think it. it, like, shapes you. Yeah. Like, Big time. You gotta toughen up, you know, and, like, no, like... Because at the end of the day, when you get older, like, those people don't go away. The yeah. bullies are always there. The people that have negative opinions are always gonna be there. So I think these experiences kind of shape you to be strong and to, like, be your own believer, like, your own um, biggest fan so because at the end of the day when you get older you're gonna need that strength yeah. anyway yeah. so i also feel like i mean i would have loved to do that again but you know what i mean it happened and it's whatever like there's nothing that happened that i'm like why did it happen to me like yeah. i'm just like this happened for me so that i could go through these lessons and i could become a better person for from them yeah but the the whole like lunch having lunch with like friends was such a big thing for me too because back home in honduras when i like for lunch i had a group of girlfriends and we would all bring like snacks and then we somebody would bring a bowl and we would put all the snacks into one bowl and then we would all eat it oh and so we had this thing that it was like everybody for lunch we would meet in the same spot and we would do that every lunch and i just had friends and then when i moved here Everybody was so like, oh, the way you dress. Because over there, we also had uniforms. Oh, yeah. So we all wore the same uniforms. And here, because I was going to public school, now I had to dress myself for school. And that was something I had never done before. So my style was not very good looking, you know? I would literally throw on a black t-shirt. And I there was a point that I went through an emo stage. Really? Where I only listened to rock and I would only wear black. I would have never guessed. Yeah. Yes. Oh my Let's god. Let's not bring her back, please. Oh my god. I wonder if you have pictures. Probably. But that okay, was if my... you find one, can we post it on the Lemon Sure. Phone? Okay. Yeah. All right. That guys. was my like I hate the world. I'm just gonna wear black because my life is a funeral, you know what I mean? Oh my god, I would have never guessed. But yeah, I mean it's 
like I said, it was it's it was hard, but it really shaped us the way we are now. Like like if you guys tune back to the last episode when you were saying all these people were making fun of you in one of the posts, it didn't phase you mm-hmm. because you've been through that and yeah, like you that, like this. Yeah, you've heard words. Like you learn that I again, like it's not about you; it's about them. Yeah. So have the time. Those kids that are making fun of me, like there's some, there are little things. You know, they want the attention. They want to feel good about themselves, so they say something about you. But yeah. I mean, I don't really care because all those people that were making fun of me, like at one point, even if I had, I was the girl with the accent that didn't say dollar and instead said dollar. At the end of the day, like. I skipped two grades. Your girl was an honor roll. Like, let's get it. Yeah, I got two businesses now. Like, what? I don't yeah, need yeah, that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Come on, so, come on. Yeah, none of that limits you. Like, those things are hard, but that's why you have to be tough and you have to believe in yourself. People will always have something to say. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest lesson that we want you guys to take out of this episode, rather than us just only sharing our stories. Um, just use it to kind of inspire you in the sense like, you know what? Anything is possible. Literally anything is possible. You have in front of you two girls who came from a whole different country, uh, barely spoke the language, and they made something of themselves. Literally. All the obstacles are easily diminishable. You can easily overcome anything. So don't make excuses don't feel bad because someone said something about you let that fly over your head let that brush off and just focus on yourself focus on yourself be your biggest fan and that's it boo boo period so i just want to reiterate that it doesn't matter where you come from if you're an immigrant if you have money if you don't have connections like there's always going to be obstacles and struggles in life and sometimes the opportunities aren't presented to us, so you literally have to create them. There has been many times in my life where there wasn't an opportunity that was available to me, and I found a way somehow to make my own opportunity. You know, sometimes those things aren't there, so we have to create them. So I think that's why I'm always saying, like, I'm creating my own path because I don't fit into any mold and any aesthetic or any influence or any that. type I of thing that. like i just am creating something new for some uh, for someone out there else that for someone else out there that is like me because i feel like we are different and that's what makes us really unique and that's what makes us relatable so with everything that both marina and i have struggled coming to the u.s and not having anything because I'm sure it was yeah. really hard for our parents to come here and get used to a whole entire new Start system over, basically, of life, yeah. a new country. Like everything that the way uh, things work in America are not the way things are in other countries. So it's like learning a whole new laws and things like that. So even with all of that, even with the people that are saying negative things and are bullying you, like you have to be your biggest fan and you have to not give up on yourself and that's really all you need to to be successful and in any way that success means to you you know yeah well um we decided to play a little game at the end of our episode today uh we both wrote down like 10 questions yeah 
they're supposed they're to be supposed to be hot fire burning questions. Yes. Yeah, so they have to do with our childhood and how we've been brought up. Yeah. They're just fun, fun stuff. Yeah. So we have to answer them quickly. Okay. So you go first. Okay. I'll ask you first. Yeah. All right. Okay. I was going to ask you <laughs> first. I'm excited. But, ooh, I'm nervous. No, I had good questions. Okay. We've, we did this two episodes ago, you guys. So if you do want uh, another one, make sure you listen to two episodes ago. All right. So hot fire burning questions. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Okay. <laughs> Number one, what was your favorite dish growing up? Ooh, uh, there's a dish called what Ainab. It's basically grape leaves. What What Ainab. What Ainab. What up? What up? Ainab. Ainab. Okay. <laughs> Which basically means grape leaves papers. Okay. So it's uh, the grape leaves papers. Uh-huh. And then you have rice and you have ground beef and like seasonings. And it's like you roll it. Yeah. And then you eat it. Oh, I've eaten those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That ah! one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited I ate it. Okay. What was your parents' go to punishment for you? Oh, the belt, the ship ship or. What chunkla, is the ship ship? chunkla, but in Egypt we I call it ship ship. Done. It's called the ship ship. Yeah, ship ship. Hey, the el ship ship. Or the yeah yeah yeah. So that That's was the funny. punishment. So they would just hit you with the chunkla. Yeah yeah, and honestly, that was like people. I was very surprised when I heard that here people don't discipline their kids physically. Like they'll hit them. Yeah, because over there in Egypt, that's what everybody does. Like that's how you discipline your kids. Yeah. So and then they were like, "You can call the cops on your parents." And I was like, "Oh my god, this is serious." Oh my god, I think my brother did that to my mom once. Really? Yeah. And then he got so scared because the cops came, and he was like, "Oh my god, mom, I'm never gonna do that again." (laughs) Anyways, number three is what is one thing you miss from your hometown? Um, the food. The food. I miss the food. Yeah. Yeah, I miss I miss the restaurants and we can eat out and the food. That's what I miss. Number four, who was your childhood best friend? Do you still talk to them? Um, yes, her name is Mercy and Mercy oh, like my mom. Yes. <laughs> and I she lives in New Zealand now and oh, I um we were talking about coronavirus because her in New Zealand they don't have any coronavirus incidents really? anymore. Yeah. They're done. Like they walk out yeah. and they're fine. Yeah. You gotta so go to New Zealand. We talk every then. now and then. Number five, what's a good memory you have from when you lived in Egypt? Oh, good memory. Uh, I'd always go with my dad to his stores. Mm-hmm. And uh, me and my sister play like I was the owner and she was the buyer. Oh, that's so, so good. So do that all the time. Yeah. That's adorable. Okay. Uh, number eight, what was your go-to game to play with your childhood friends? Um, we were playing hide and seek. Yeah. Hide and seek. Yeah, that was, that was a go to game. Okay, number nine. Did you have a nickname growing up? Yeah. Uh, it was Mura. Mura. My mom would call me Mura El Amura, which means Mura the pretty girl. Oh. So it rhymed. She'd call me Mura El Amura. So and you know, actually, fun fact um, when I made Facebook, so when I made a Facebook, my mom was like, you cannot use your real name because people will kidnap you, they will steal oh your information. Gosh. Do not use your real name. So I used Mura. So for a while, people would yeah. refer to me as Mura. And then I hated it. Oh, my God. It. I need to call you Mura. I hated it. And I was like, no, my name is Marina. My name is Marina. It's oh not Mura. God. Yeah, that was my I nickname. think it's cute. Okay, number 10. What was a chore you really disliked doing? Um, Folding laundry. Oh, same I hate girl. folding laundry. I still I don't like folding laundry. Putting away laundry. 
Okay. Okay, that was good. Okay, my turn. All right, let's see. What did your mom pack you for lunch at school? My mom didn't pack me lunch. We got money uh, to just like buy food at lunch. I went to a good school, so there was good food. And I would eat almost every day a baleada for lunch. What is that? It's like this Honduran. It's a Honduran dish. You need to have it. It's basically okay. a flour tortilla, and they put beans and cheese and egg. You can put steak on it, avocado. Like, you can put uh, many things on it. That sounds but good. But, the, like, the basic one is, like, beans, cheese, and sour cream, and then you put eggs. Okay. Uh, what was your biggest culture shock? Okay, I don't know if this was a big culture shock or if it was just me that I was a prude, but I feel like when I lived in Honduras, all of my friends, we were just like focus on like playing games and playing with dolls and things like that and then i moved to the u.s and like my middle school friends were talking about sex and things like that boyfriends and and this. i was like huh yeah i'm like I, I can't do that my mom said i can't have a boyfriend until i'm 25 <laughs> i remember this guy asked me out when i was in like seventh grade and then i went to him and i was like i can't because my mom said i can have a boyfriend <laughs> Literally, I didn't I didn't have an actual boyfriend until after high school. Yeah. Um, all right. So how old were you when you first got a cell phone? Oh, my God. I was like 16 or 17. I was really. Old. Yeah. My parents were not like, oh, I'm going to give her a phone at 14. You want to know a funny story? So I got a cell phone when I was um, probably eighth grade, seventh grade of, of middle school. Mm -hmm. and me my mom and my sister shared the same phone so i guess it wasn't mine and same i used to share my mom's phone and then my dad went to eight to verizon or whatever the hell it was and they printed out all the text messages and i was texting a boy yes. and i got in trouble same thing for you it was i had his name like something weird like one of my friends and my mom was like she was so confused who was texting her and i was like oh yeah yeah I got oh in my trouble. God, girl, I was so embarrassed. First of all, I was already like at least in ninth grade. So I felt like that was such an invasion of privacy. Yeah. But yeah, that totally happened. Mom, to if time. you're listening to this, I love you. Don't be mad at me. I lied to my you. My dad was like, he was the one that asked for it. And he, he couldn't even look me in the eyes. Oh, all right. How often did you have to help your parents with government paperwork? All the time. Even till today, I still do it. Yeah, same. Uh, what was your least favorite subject at school? My least favorite subject was science because I was not good at it. Okay. Uh, how lavish was your quinceanera? I didn't have a quinceanera. What? Yes. I love the story. That's why I asked this question. Why do I say quinceanera like that? Yeah, I did not have a quinceanera. Oh, my God. This is like the biggest thing with me and my mom because one of my sisters, Michelle, I love her. Her birthday is very close to mine. So her birthday is February 24th and mine is February 28th. So for some reason, every single time on our birthday, my mom would try to like celebrate them together. But that together never really worked because everybody ended up just like telling her happy birthday and then like everyone forget about me. And I did have like my own little birthday parties too. But there was one birthday I remember specifically where it was my sister's quinceanera and they made like they had this huge party for her and of course they chose to do it on my birthday so her birthday is the 24th and literally her party was the 28th on my birthday oh so it was like a whole thing like this was like a wedding like she had this crazy dress 
we had limousines. Every, like, she had, like, damas, so everybody had the same dress. She had, like, an entertainer for the party. It was, like, done wow. in this super huge place. Like, her cake was, like, had, like, crazy towers. And then the audacity of my mom to get a tiny cake <laughs> right next to it so they could sing happy birthday to me in the same party. Do you understand how horrible I felt? I was like, it's my birthday. And literally everybody came here for her. That's so sad. I love and that story. I never, I never got a quinceanera because once I turned 15, we were like living here and we did not have the money to do that. Yeah. So, and yeah. I didn't, I was, I was whatever about it. Yeah. I didn't have a sweet 16 either. Well, it's not the same. It's this. It's similar. I really, I really care for one. Maybe I'm, I'll, maybe I'll have a sweet 30. <laughs> no, that's supposed to be a separate celebration. Dirty 30. Who was the closest family member to you growing up? My sister, Michelle. Like, since I was young, I, I was telling you, I was so attached to her that it, w it was really obnoxious. Like, if I saw her kissing a guy or, like, hanging out with a guy, I would literally start crying. Are you serious? Like, that's how jealous and crazy I was. Like, I would be like, I don't know. I felt like she was, like, cheating on me. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. How did your mom punish you growing up? Oh my gosh, my mom hit me with anything and everything she could find. If there was something nearby, she was going to hit me with Check it. Check it at you. Yeah, honestly, I was a good girl, though. So I feel like I did get punished a lot, but I didn't get punished as much as my sister, Catherine. That girl always got punished because she was like, she was crazy. She was just like, if they told her no, she would do it. That's me. That's you? That's you, me. You were like I, was the, I was the rebellious one. Yeah, my sister up. was the rebellious one. But yeah. yeah, my mom would like hit us with anything. <laughs> she would love to hit us with like, um, you know, like a hanger, but like the ones that are just metal. Bro. The hangers. The, the hangers. hangers. Or the belt. And she would grab the belt and like hit me with the buckle. I'm like, you savage. I had so many. I have. Well, I don't have many scars anymore, but I, I growing really? up. Ooh. I didn't have any Ooh. scores. It wasn't that bad. I love you, mom. I know you're listening. I love you. I know it was for the good of, for me, you know. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, learned something new about us or we've helped you in some shape, way or form. Let us know if you guys have any questions or if you have any similar stories that you want to share with us. We would love to read your immigrant stories, maybe even share them. I would love to share them on my instagram yeah I think yeah, yeah. Be, dm really, us uh really cool. yeah dm us on our uh lemon lemonade instagram share this podcast if you liked it tell your friends to listen post us on our in on your instagram we always repost you guys and with that being said don't forget to follow us on our instagram at lemon lemonade show and our personal instagrams at gabriella bandy and at 20 marina and, and remember when, when life gives you lemons, lemons you, you make, make lemonade, lemonade. See you next week. What?